0: Welcome to the West Side Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in.
1: If you're here for the first time, often we walk through like a series, either through the scriptures or uh, last month we just finished a topical one on relationships, and if you didn't catch that, we'd really encourage you to do that. We heard really um, good feedback on how that was helping people. This month is going to be some one-off messages uh, from myself and from some guests, and so we'll jump into, into one today. But let me start off with a story. I was chatting with, with a neighbor of mine, so I made this decision this summer um, to limit my budget on my landscaping. And I love, you know, I share, like, stories of, like, what I love. And so I'm so tempted when I walk into a garden center to buy stuff, to buy another plant, to change a plant, to expand stuff. And uh, so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm like, going to spend very little this summer. I'm going to clean my lawn, throw some seeds, water it, and hope for the best. That's what, it's like, and so my neighbor, who's a landscaper, he said, Dave, don't worry about it. His name is Johnny. He's like, everything grows this month. You're going to see everything's gonna grow like crazy because it's May. And it's true, everything's been growing. You know, in May, everything grew and, and things were growing really nice. And I love how in the spring, it doesn't matter how bad things are, it seems like May, everything turns green. Isn't that true? And it just, it just makes you feel good. There's this one plant that I didn't buy this year, I promise, I'm sticking to my like, limited budget for landscaping, but last summer, I was in Prince Edward County area, Sandbanks, and I picked up this, I have no, actually, the name's up there. I can't even read it's a little blurred there, but oh, you guys can get that. No, it says perennial on top, and that's length. OK, cool, you guys got it. That's awesome. When I saw it, it was so cute. And I'm like, I gotta buy this thing. But I've never seen it in Quebec. I've never seen it in, in our garden centers. And uh, we were in the Sandbanks area and I picked it up. And so, you know, I planted it last year and it's a really messy garden. You can tell, I, I, like I said, I've gone to like, like basic, basic stuff this summer. But I'm like, is this thing going to grow back? Because it was like completely finished, you know, at the end of the, you know, coming into the winter. And then it grew back. This May, isn't that amazing? It just kind of popped through the dirt and popped through the mulch, and um, and it made me realize there's life underneath the surface that's just waiting to grow. And I wanted to show you that and tell you my neighbor's story about May because I want you to keep that image in mind as we just we reflect on the change of season that's going on. Now you're thinking the change of season from spring to summer. But I want to talk about a different change of season, and it's one that sometimes we're familiar with, sometimes we're less familiar with, and it's the church calendar. And here at Westside, we've been growing to understand the church calendar more and more over the years. Uh, everyone's familiar with Christmas and Easter, right? Like, that's pretty easy. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, even, if, even for people who couldn't care less about Christianity or God or faith, even know about Christmas and Easter, somewhat familiar is like Advent, Lent and Eastertide, and that's like all on the top semicircle we see. It goes from Advent there to Easter and then Pentecost. And so some people are familiar with that stuff last week on the church calendar, it's the day of Pentecost. And we, we mentioned it. Uh, we didn't jump into it too heavily this year. We've done in other years past. And it's, it's considered 50 years after Easter or after, after Passover in the Jewish calendar. And it's a reminder that God sent a spirit. It's a reminder that God sent a spirit, fulfills Jesus' promise, where Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send another one that's going to function in my place is going to be present with you, speaking about God's Holy Spirit. It fulfills Old Testament prophecy. But something happens at Pentecost that's very unique, and it's a change of season. And the change of season is that the church calendar does something that seems very counterintuitive. And it's this. It turns into something called ordinary time. And that's that whole green semicircle at the bottom. It's called ordinary time. That between Pentecost... Where all the, you know, from to Advent, like, it's called ordinary time. Now, that sounds boring. That sounds unspiritual, maybe. It sounds uneventful. It sounds like maybe it lacks conviction. It actually feels a little bit like our family calendar. Here's why. Between the, the middle or end of April to the middle of May for three or four weeks, our family celebrates three birthdays, one wedding anniversary, and Mother's Day. I don't know if we got our dog in the same amount of time. Like, I have no idea, but we, we just go crazy for like three, four weeks, and then we're like, there's nothing happening till Christmas. And so it's very like uneventful up until then. That, that's kind of, like when I look at that, like look at how like colorful and eventful from Advent to Pentecost is on the top semicircle when, the, when you know, the church created this church calendar. And then on the bottom semicircle, it's like, what's up with that? Like, there's Like, do we have nothing to look forward to? and it's it's part of god's you know it's like what part of god's story is this supposed to remind us of and here's here's the beauty of this ordinary time it's this idea of now we get to live our faith it's this idea one author writes it it's time to get to gospel business during ordinary time it's applying the death and resurrection and ascension of jesus into our ordinary lives with and this is was last week with Pentecost, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And here's the question I want to ask today, and we just take this one day to, to, to think about this, is what does it look like to live a changed life by the gospel empowered by the Spirit? I mean, for six months of the year with the church calendar, as the church calendar was created to help Christ followers in a culture that often were bombarded by so many other stories, the church calendar was meant to help Christ followers just learn and relearn and retell and be reminded of the story of Jesus. So from Advent, to Christmas, to Epiphany, this revelation of Jesus, to Lent, as Jesus walks towards the cross, to Easter, and then Eastertide, celebrating resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost, it's all there, but then, the question, then we're left with six months of the year, I think with real wisdom from, from the church in those centuries of, okay, let's, let's get to business, let's live this stuff out. What does it look like to live a changed life by the gospel, empowered by the Spirit? And we're gonna turn to a text. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter one, five or six verses in the beginning of this letter to this first century church that Paul, the apostle Paul, is writing to. And he writes these words to this church. They're really endearing words, um, wonderful words, actually. So let's read it together. You can follow with me on the screen if you'd like, or just listen. We always give thanks to God for all of you, and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction Just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. And just listen to this verse. It's not on the screen. It's this verse eight. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known so that we have no need to speak about it. Let's pray for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we just pause as we've heard this portion of your word and part of your story and this message to this first century church. God, would you just open up our minds and our hearts to be attentive to you. Um, God, as we've been aiming to do already in this gathering, God, we long uh, to be present to your presence. And um, so we just say welcome to the work of your spirit um, as you would help us listen for your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. In this little short section, Paul ends uh, talking to this church. I mean, he continues, but in this little short section, it ends with this idea of being an example. And he says it in verse seven, right? He says, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And this is amazing, that little word is really Really good because that little word example means that hey, you've become a picture of what it means to live out the gospel, or you've become a model of what it means to have a life of faith, or you've become an example of what it means for God to be at work in someone's life and in this community's life. Paul's saying, Hey, of of everything I've heard about you, of everything I know about you, you are you've become a picture to people. You've become a picture to other people of what it means for God to be at work in you and in your church community and even beyond you. And Paul in verse 3 tells us, he fills us in in what that looks like. Like, what does it look like for Paul when he sees that? And he says these three phrases that are amazing phrases. These are phrases we should all write down. We should, like, have these on our journal or think about them or be reminded of them. Three words connected to three phases, phrases. And he says, remembering before God and uh, our God and Father, your, and he says, work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, love, and hope, or work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope. If you just notice this for a second, this is the gospel of Jesus being worked out in ordinary lives. This is the gospel of Christ being worked out in, an, in ordinary lives. And it's tangible and it's noticeable. Paul says, I've seen it. I've heard about it. Your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness in hope. And faith ultimately is the work of trusting Jesus or being loyal to Jesus as you follow him. Faith is also maybe a metaphor for the message of Christ, the message of the kingdom, the message of death, resurrection, ascension, the forgiveness of sins, the lordship of Christ. So they're working this out, they're they're living this out, they're living out their faith. But there's also a labor of love. And I can imagine that's like reconciliation, as Paul writes in other, le- uh, in other letters, right? Like whether it's a Jews or Greeks that now have become followers of Jesus, they're reconciling together, slave or free, male or female, rich or poor. That's happening inside their communities, and it's a labor of love. But it's also care for each other. Can imagine in an early church, and maybe it was happening in this church. That someone came in to the church community, to the small group, to whatever, and there was a common closet in another room, and they needed a shirt, and they didn't have a shirt, and they went and took a shirt from the common closet. That was a labor of love that was active in the early church at the time. Maybe it was care for others, and we've heard that famous phrase from the emperor at the time that said, why are these people feeding our poor? Why are these people feeding our hungry? Why are these people washing the wounds of lepers? that was a labor of love from the church to the outside world. And it was resilient or steadfast hope, which is resilience, which is patient, because they knew, they knew that new creation was for them, and they could be patient and steadfast in this hope. One of the reasons Christ followers were able to somehow just walk through the persecution, and sometimes for some, the uh, the inevitable death and persec- in that persecution is they had this steadfast hope. They're like, we have new creation. And so you look at this, this tangible, noticeable things happening, faith, love, and hope, and you wonder like, well, how is it all possible? Why is it all possible? And Paul, he, he reminds them of this. In verse five, he says, this, this happened because our message of the gospel came to you. That's what he's talking about. He says, this happened to you because the gospel came to you. Later in verse 6, he says, because you received this word, this word of the gospel, this, this message of Jesus. And so one of the reasons this is possible, why this is even happening, is because these people heard the gospel and it started to change them. Something was happening in them when they started to hear the gospel. And as they heard the gospel, their lives started to change. And Paul says, your faith, your love, your hope that is noticeable in these ways, this is all a fruit. This is growing because you heard the gospel at some point, and that gospel started to change you. But it wasn't just the gospel. That's the core foundation. But Paul says this in verse 6, in verse 5 and 6, he says, yeah, the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It's like they didn't just hear the gospel, they heard it. The gospel worked in their lives, the gospel was changing them, but it was participating. The message of the gospel was in participation with the work of the Spirit. And something powerful was going on. Something miraculous was going on in their hearts because God's Holy Spirit was working in their hearts. And I love that phrase, full conviction, because that demonstrates that it's not just their thinking or what they grab from culture or what they've kind of like mixed in together. It's like the Holy Spirit's actually convicting them of certain things. Is like of, of that, oh, my life is not the same as God's kingdom and God's convicting me of that and now I'm, I, how, am I gonna, how am I gonna live into that? How am I gonna truly follow the Lordship of Jesus? And the Holy Spirit does that, he convicts us. And they, they didn't just receive this word like, oh, thanks for the message, thanks for the email, thanks for the mail, blah, blah. No, it says they received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Somehow when they heard the gospel with the work of the Holy Spirit, it's like this was joyful. They heard this and were like, this is amazing. This is so good. I love this. And they received it with joy. This, this week I met somebody, um, which I often do in Pointe Claire Village. I love Pointe Claire Village and walking around Pointe Claire Village. Um, any time of the day, but if I meet somebody and and they say they want to grab a coffee, I often say, you want to walk and talk in the village. And so, uh, you guys know I love good, decent coffee. And so, there's a great cafe there called Victor Roll, so we'll grab a coffee and walk. And uh, it's not huge, but there's this, there's towards like one part of the village where the the, the land kind of points out a little bit, I was walking with this person and we came across a very common spot. There was a windmill there. And beside the windmills, there's actually a cross. Uh, before you get to that, there's actually a gold statue of Jesus, by the way. We're in competition with Brazil, but we don't, we don't win. Um, but anyways, uh, so, so that was there. We are just chatting there. And I, I snapped that picture as a reminder because I was thinking about this text in this week. And I thought, man, something must have happened at whatever time in history for people to like plant this cross. Like something happened in their lives, something happened in their hearts, something happened in their community where it's like, we're putting a cross here. And that's kind of similar stories in Montreal too. Like why is the cross on Mount Royal? Because something happened in a moment in history where people said we must acknowledge this and and like really declare our trust in Christ. And I saw the cross and I was like reminded of that. Something must have happened for them to do this. And I looked at the windmill and I know like it's a heritage site now, and they're supposed to be fixing it up. And I thought, well, the cross reminded me of the gospel coming to these people doing something. The windmill reminded me of this energy source because a windmill tends to turn with the wind and then creates energy out of that spinning. Now we have windfill farms, but back then it was just like one windmill, and, and it creates just an amount of energy. But I'm like I saw that and I thought, what a beautiful combination of cross and windmill or gospel and spirit. You know, like the Spirit's at work in us, leading us, guiding us, empowering us. And when Paul sees these people and and how they're living their lives and what it's turning out to be and the example they are, they're like, this is the work of the cross, the gospel. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, both in working in your lives. And Paul takes note that as he gets, he gets excited, he's like, God chose you for this. Your response to the gospel and welcoming the work of, your spir- of God's spirit has placed you in God's family. And as being part of God's family, you're chosen to be participants with God's kingdom. And, and God, Paul sees that and, and re- recognizes these people are experiencing like uh, just the combination of heaven and earth. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's kind of what's taking place. These people are living out heaven and earth meeting. And to some degree, they've also become a, a, a beachhead for the gospel, right? Like getting down to gospel business. Verse 8 and I added, it wasn't on the screen, and it's not on the screen now. Just listen. This, this, I love this verse. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known. So that we don't even need to speak about it. Like Paul says, because of your life, because of what's been going on, the message has rung out so well that I don't even need to speak to someone about it because they've heard it through you. Paul's like, that's amazing. And it's like they're a beachhead for the gospel. Now, I don't love the word beachhead so much because it's a little bit of a war term, right? Like when, when an attacking enemy is coming to, a, to, like, to, you know, to their opponents and they look towards, we want to gain more land, we want to gain more territory. And like the, the, you know, the, attack, the attackers are over here, they want to get there. So then they kind of get to the beach or to the water or to borders and they create a beachhead. And they send people, they're like, okay, you guys go over there, we'll create a beachhead so then we can take on more territory. That's kind of what this church is is in that region. But it's not for war, it's not to kill anybody, it's not to take over land. They've come as servants of the king with love and grace to be a blessing but also to declare that God's kingdom is real, and that God's kingdom is good, and that God's kingdom is inviting others in. And so what I love about the idea of a beachhead is that this new church is now representing God's kingdom. And they're like, wow, we we don't want to just keep this for ourselves. You guys go over there and kind of be present so those people can hear about the gospel and about God's kingdom and they become God's living and local presence and show that city God's love and God's peace and God's purpose in real tangible ways, faith, love, and hope, real tangible ways. And all this is showing signs in people who've recently met Christ and are filled by the Spirit. All this is just these signs that in normal, everyday life, people have experienced the gospel and the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and now it's, it's kind of coming out of their lives. And this is fascinating to me because this is a young church. Some scholars believe that maybe this church was only a few months old or maybe a year old. A bunch of us here have been following Jesus for like five, 10, 20, 30 years. I've been following Jesus for 30 years. And I, I look at this and I'm like, I, I would love, I, I wanna, I wanna like be like this. And what fascinates me is this, this young church, early in their journey, they've already hit obstacles, they've already been persecuted, they've already had like an affront to them, they're not very mature or experienced Christians, and yet like something beautiful is happening among them in their everyday lives, and, and I think if the gospel and the Holy Spirit can do that in them, man, what, he can do that in me, and he can do that in you, and he can do that in us, we're not just a few months old, we're several years old. Many of us haven't just been following Christ just for a couple of months. Many of us have been following Christ for years. If the gospel and the Holy Spirit can do that in them, it can do it in us. N.T. Wright, when he writes about this, this portion of this letter, he says, these are quite ordinary people. Ordinary caught my attention. They're quite ordinary people that had something extraordinary happen to them in response to an unexpected message. Quite ordinary people had done something extraordinary in response to an unexpected message. And, and I love Auntie Wright, but I just added, I added my phrase, don't tell them empowered by the spirit. Uh, so that, that's just David at the bottom, not Auntie Wright. But, so ordinary people had done something extraordinary in response to an unexpected message as they were empowered by the spirit, as they're empowered by the spirit. And... That encourages me and it just, it feels like it calls something more out of me as I think about this ordinary time we're entering into. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to be celebrating officially. I know, you know, as Christians we say, we celebrate Christmas every day. We celebrate Easter every day, right? That's sometimes a knock about why, you know, why do we celebrate Easter on one day? You know, Pentecost is every day because the Holy Spirit's with us. Yes, I get it. But we're not, we're not going back to like the way we celebrate Easter on Easter or, Christmas or why we enter into a season of lent and things like that. But we're entering into this season where we're not going to be looking at those things particularly even though they're all there all the time. But we're entering into this ordinary time, this ordinary season. And I love what's so helpful here is Paul doesn't get specific. He doesn't say like this is how you should work work in faith. And this is how you've labored in love. Like if you would have said, you know, the way you gave, you know, $2,000 to this organization, you labored in love. Or the way you stepped out in faith and spoke to your coworker, this is how you, you know, you, was your work of faith. Or because you've been, resist, you know, resilient in hope, you know, as you weathered this health condition, that would be, that wouldn't be bad, but it would be so specific that you and me would probably like want to mimic that. And just want to copy that. and like, oh, maybe that's my labor of love. i got to write a check. Or maybe that's my work of faith. I've got I to gotta do it this way. Or maybe this is what it means to stand in hope. There's no, there's no list. Maybe all this stuff is inferred. It's in there. But there's no list. And maybe that allows us to lean on the Holy Spirit for how we daily live out the gospel. For how we ha- live with a work of faith. A labor of love. And resilient in hope. So we don't just say, oh, I'm going to do what Carlos did. I'm going to do what Amy did. Maybe you can. Maybe that's okay. But how's the Holy Spirit leading you to live out the gospel every day in ordinary ways? I was at a bowling alley several years ago. And it just, I know, a weird, weird thought. But I was at a bowling alley. And um, I just, you know, you know when, if you ever go to a bowling alley, it's a very ordinary crowd. If you compare the crowd at, an, at a bowling alley and the crowd at a televised megachurch, the dress code is very different, <laughs> right? I'm just saying, and I'm not knocking the dress code in any, I'm just saying like, I looked at, look at a bowling alley, I'm like, it's very ordinary people here. And the gospel should work with ordinary people, in ordinary lives, with ordinary incomes, with ordinary issues on a daily basis. And so I come back to this, just this theme of ordinary time. I think the church was really wise in the century that it started to put together this this church calendar for the formation of Christ followers when they created this liturgical year. And but sometimes, here's one of the issues, if we get so caught up with that, is that we could look at from Advent to Christmas, and, or sorry, Advent, uh, not to Christmas, but to Easter and stuff, and say like, oh, well, this points to the extraordinary moments that we're called to celebrate. And sometimes it can feel like that's all it is to be a Christian. We're going to celebrate Advent, we're going to celebrate Christmas, we're going to celebrate Easter, we're going to celebrate Pentecost. And maybe that's why there's so many people who only go to church on Christmas and Easter. Because it's like, I'll leave that to the religious stuff and I'll just do my own thing on ordinary time. Because there's not much, much else to following Jesus. I mean, if we've celebrated his incarnation and his resurrection, we're good. Like, I'm gonna just go make money or go have a coffee or go build something or go do something. And I, I, think, I, I think that's unfortunate. And the risk is here that we think that ordinary life is too simple or too secular. But God, it's like, oh, you know what? God has nothing to offer us when I need to make a budget. God has nothing to offer us when I go eat out with friends. God's not really present when I go to the office. That's all on me. When I'm with friends or I'm, you know, figuring out how to do my finances or I walk into work or sit on the assembly line, that's on me. I celebrated Christmas and Easter in church. Now I'm going to bake. That's my thing. That's on me. God's not involved in that stuff. And I think ordinary time reminds us that following Jesus happens in all of life. Yes. When, that ordinary time is saying, God wants to work today and tomorrow and while you're on the job site and while you're at home and while you're walking through your neighborhood and all that. I was in Renault Depot a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and I, 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 I was at the desk, like the customer service desk, because uh, they were giving me a refund for something. Yay me, anyways. So, that's That's fine, but it was fun because I, I, lo- I just ta- i 'll talk with anybody anytime right and so so there was a, a young girl serving me, she was in university, and we were talking, and she was so helpful and and other people were very helpful and then there was um, another student and I We were talking, and he, I think he came originally from Algeria and been in Montreal for several years, learned, like, really great degree in education and everything, and uh, so we, I I asked them tons of questions about themselves, so we were talking for, like, five minutes, you know, I think some people were wondering, like, hey, like, this is a store here, you know, (laughs) like, if you want a coffee, go down the street, but we were talking, and then um, they asked me, what what do I do, so I said, well, I'm a pastor and whatever, and that was odd to, like, 22-year-olds. And uh, so this girl seemed really interested. And, I, and it was interesting. Then she got called by her supervisor. I kept talking to the guy. And uh, she comes back from the supervisor and takes a piece of paper out and says, can you tell me where your church is? I was like, oh. I said, you guys are welcome to come. And she looks at him and says, well, he's Muslim. And he looks at me and he says, I'm Muslim. And I said, well... <laughs> I said, I said, Muslims are welcome, that's, that's totally cool. And, uh, but what, it, what dawned on me is that, you know, we think of, of like God at work in these extraordinary moments, not at the customer service counter at Renault Depot, but ordinary time is when we can live out the gospel, in ordinary moments, in ordinary moments. We had um, a chef from a local hotel who did, our, uh, who did the food yesterday for the breakfast, and he walked in with his stuff, like, for the first time on Friday to see this, and my wife uh, knows him, and he walked in, and he, he's like, I did not expect church to look like this. He's like, I didn't expect this, bu- this kind of building or space or how it's all worked out, and I, and, and I loved that, and I had a you know, conversation with him and a conversation, like a school down the street um, rented some space to do some interviews and they were in our space for five hours two weeks ago and we got to serve them and encourage them and help them and like I thought, this is normal, ordinary stuff. Food and rentals and interviews and whatever, but we get to be present for these moments because God is not only working on Christmas and Easter and Pentecost, he's working in ordinary moments, Right? And it reminds me that all life matters. That faith, love, and hope is meant to be played out, not when we're singing a wonderful worship song. It's played out at work. It's played out with your kids. It's played out when you're banking. It's played out in your business. It's played out in relationships. It's played out in schools. It's played out in the culture. It's played out in the arts, in economics, and in science. All of life, all of life can be lived, influenced by the gospel and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of ordinary time. And I wrote this phrase, and I wanna just read it with us on the screen, Not one square inch of your life is to be left out of the Gospel's reach or the Spirit's power. Not one inch of our lives is meant to be left out of the Gospel's reach or the Spirit's power. It can all come under the Lordship of Jesus. And so where Paul writes, you've become imitators of us and of our Lord. We've become imitators of Jesus. So Pentecost is not the end of the important doctrines or days that we, we focus on for six months of the year. Pentecost is the springboard into following Jesus every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. I'm going to invite the band to come up, because in a moment we want to uh, finish off our gathering with communion. And so I'm going to invite them to come up at this time and... But as I was thinking about, even I am a little bit unfamiliar with ordinary time. So I had to to like even read up a little bit on it this week. And often with seasons in the church calendar, it's often, uh, there's often colors associated with it. And I was pleasantly surprised to know that the color associated with ordinary time, can anybody guess the color? green exactly is green and um and also the image of growing plants is one of the symbols associated with with ordinary time now we're lucky because we live in the northern hemisphere we are lucky because if you live in orlando you don't have other seasons right have you ever been to orlando in july you can't breathe I bless my Orlando friends. But when you're but but I, I met someone in Orlando once and we were chatting about it and he lived, I think, in Minnesota first, and he's like, I miss the seasons. I miss like changing season. Like all year it's summer here. <laughs> and uh, which is not a bad thing. I get it. Some of you are like, Yeah, that's why what's big deal, that's good, right? But um, but there's something that we get to see here in the in this part of the world is the different seasons. And so the benefit of us celebrating Pentecost in the spring is we get to be reminded of the, the green growth that comes through that. That's the beauty of celebrating Pentecost in this season because everything is growing. And I took some pictures from, from my house and, uh, and you can just post them up there, just a few pictures. And, and like everything on my lawn is green right now. Maybe July we're going to have to water a little bit more. But everything on my lawn is just green. It's just, you know, growing and luscious and green and all that kind of... Everything is growing. Everything is growing from hydrangeas to bushes to hostas to flowers to all that kind of stuff. And so when I, when I was just like looking through uh, my just, just what's around my house, I just thought like as we enter this season, as we've come off of Pentecost, as we're going into this ordinary time That here's my heart for you and for me that every leaf of grass that you see or step on or play on or cut that every beautiful green hosta that grows in your your neighborhood or whatever every branch or leaf that you see every daisy that you start to see grow in the next few weeks um, all the stuff that you start seeing to grow maybe in your property or another friends or your apartment block or here in the city may it remind you of what happens when we respond to the message of the gospel and the work of the holy spirit combined in our lives wouldn't that be amazing that the next time you cut your grass the lord reminds you you too can be growing in ordinary time that, that next time you snip something from your grass or you walk on one of the parks here in Montreal, you're reminded, oh, wow, God's at work. He wants me to grow. And so my heart is that we move into this summer, into this season, taking what we've received and we're reminded of from Advent to Pentecost And then take it into the streets and into the boulevards and into our neighborhoods and into our homes and into our workplaces and into our decisions amen amen let's just take a moment to pray Um, just for this time this this theme we've been talking about and i'm just going to give you some space to think about that maybe maybe think about just some of the ordinary parts of your day think about your kitchen table think about your backyard think about your street think about your neighbor in the apartment beside you think about your desk at work or the assembly line you're in these are just ordinary things in our lives but God calls us to to do God's gospel business there to to be present there to be as living in local presence in those pockets and to live out the anticipation of new creation, to live out the revelation of Jesus, to live out the walk to the cross, to live out the death and resurrection of Jesus, to keep surrendering our lives to the ascended Lord, to welcome and receive and live in the power of the Holy Spirit and today on a day that's often in this church calendar called Trinity Sunday, to know that we live, move, and breathe in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. let's take a moment to bring that all to the Lord. This week and month and season If you're here today and um, there's an anticipation growing in your heart, maybe you have never made a step to follow Jesus or to trust Jesus. I just want to invite you today, like we read in the scripture, to receive the word of the gospel. Jesus came announcing God's kingdom, the gospel of God's kingdom that he is Lord of all of life. And that while we as humans often will be walking our own direction, our own way, often in rebellion to God, he calls us to turn around, to follow Christ. That often requires a repentance because of the way we're walking against his will. But when you hear the message of the kingdom, I pray and hope even this morning you feel a joy of hearing that. A joy of hearing that invitation. Just take a moment and make a step of faith, trusting Jesus. Verbalizing to Him, you want to follow Him. God, we um, we're so grateful for the big days in the year. We're so grateful for the big reminders and how they form us. Um, we cherish them. We welcome them because um, they continue to shape us in the way of Christ. But we we know God as you've made us human. You've made us to cook food and bake bread and. Um, you know, cultivate fields and write business plans and budget our finances and walk our streets. And, and these, these are really ordinary, normal things, mundane things. Um, and God, I pray you just help us to see that you are not absent from these moments or these, these parts of our lives, that you are very much involved in the ordinary moments of our lives. Help us to see that, God, and welcome, welcome you in, in every facet, every inch of our life. Thank you for the message of the gospel and the work of your Holy Spirit that makes all of this possible. May we become people of faith, love, and hope. May we be known for our work of faith, our labor of love, our steadfastness, and hope. We surrender all of our lives to you under your lordship. And God, I pray for some today who are just contemplating a next step of faith. And I pray, Lord, that they would see and understand, Lord, not, not because of my words or just what happened in this gathering, but as we even read from this text, Lord, that they would hear and receive your word with power through your Holy Spirit with full conviction, inspired, joy inspired by your spirit.
0: In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday But you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question. Ask for help. Or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.